Let's pray. Great and glorious God, we are so grateful that you are present among us. Thank you for this day in which we can come together and share in your works and your salvation. We are blessed here at Edmond with a great family who strives to become closer to you and share in the highs and the lows of each other's lives. Fathers, we focus on the hope that you give us. I ask that we can rely on you. Let us be convicted that you are present in the best of times and carry us through the darkest ones. Work in ways throughout this year and where the conclusion makes us point to you and say it was only because of God. Continue to make us faithful to your guiding spirit. It's in your glorious, glorious's son's name. Amen. Before Sean comes up, let's read Psalm 39. I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. So I remained utterly silent, not even saying anything good, but my anguish increased. My heart grew hot within me. While I meditated, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth, without knowing whose it will finally be. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. Save me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the scorn of fools. I was silent. I would not open my mouth, for you are the one who has done this. Remove your scourge from me. I am overcome by the blow of your hand. When you rebuke and discipline anyone for their sin, you consume their wealth like a moth. Surely everyone is but a breath. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for help. Do not be deaf to my weeping. I dwell with you as a foreigner, a stranger, as all my ancestors were. Look away from me, that I may enjoy life again before I depart and am no more. Well, I always enjoy the opportunity to come and talk with you guys. Those of you guys who know me know that I'm a pretty big nerd. Uh, pretty much if it has swords, knights in shining armor, castles, or like lasers, spaceships, whatever, I'm kind of in. Book, TV show, movie, whatever. I'm, I'm on board. I'll give it a shot at least. So this Christmas was an important one to me because I decided that we were going to show our children a piece of nerd culture from way back. A little movie from the 70s you might have heard of called Star Wars. So we sat down as a family and watched Star Wars. Uh, the kids, I don't know, I think they probably would have given it about a B. I mean, they can't all be treehouse detectives, right? So they, they seemed to enjoy it. But uh, there was one line as I was thinking about tonight that, that, that kind of hung on for me. So let's just do an experiment. I'm going to say the line, and I want you to fill in the blank. Okay, like, don't leave me hanging up here, please. Okay. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only... Hey, nice. That was solid. That was solid. We're talking about hope tonight. That's something that we're going to focus on. And it's an amazing place to start a new year, an idea of hope. It's encouraging, it's positive, it's uplifting, it's exciting. It gets us really moving in the right direction. I'm not sure how well you were paying attention to that last psalm, but uplifting was probably not what we would, what we would say about that. 
but it's still really got a hopeful message and one that we can really pull some things out of. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about a couple things that the psalmist, who most people think was David, um, does during that psalm that we can take with us. The very first thing when we look at when we look at this psalm, some people call it a funeral psalm. There was a famous rabbi from the 1200s that used this as his text for a, uh, a, a lesson on prayers need tears. So we see a psalmist that is in the time of struggle. He's in a time of brokenness. He's in a time of hurt. And the first thing that it looks like David does is he acknowledges his hurt. He acknowledges that he's struggling and that he's suffering and that he's having a hard time. So often we get the message that we're not supposed to do that. If we're hurting, we just seal it off. We kind of pack it down. Don't let anybody know we're struggling. Somebody sits down on the pew next to us and, hey, how you doing today? Fine, and move on. It's sad when we disconnect from people like that, but often what we see is people disconnect from God as well and just have no interaction, quit quit praying, quit interacting in the scripture, and just completely disappear there. That is not what David does. David goes to God with his hurt. He goes to God with his brokenness, and he communicates his sadness and his, his challenges and his struggle there. The second thing that David does here is he admits that humankind is weak. He acknowledges his own uh, inability to fix his problem. We look at uh, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and one of the steps in that and many other 12-step programs is acknowledging that you are powerless in front of your problem. And we can kind of see David at least alluding to that, talking about how frail human beings are, talking about how wealth really doesn't do anything for us. We see him say, God, this is a problem I'm hurting about. I can't fix it on my own. When we say that, that's one thing. But remember that this is a man who killed a giant and saved a nation when he was barely old enough to shave. He has heard his name chanted in the streets as a a hero. Uh, This is a man as a king of a nation. As far as resources go, he had what he needed. And he was still saying, I can't do it. I don't have what I need to meet the task ahead. The very last thing he does is probably the very most important. He acknowledges God. He puts his hope in his creator. He says, this problem is big. I can't do it. You are bigger than me. You are more powerful than me. We have a God that is amazing. He's strong. He's powerful. And more uh, more impressive than that to me is the fact that he wants a relationship with us. He walked with David. David and God had a relationship, and David was able to turn to him in that time of struggle. We see hope as a narrative woven throughout Scripture from the very beginning all the way up through the entirety of the word. In the New Testament, I want to uh, share one passage with you. It's 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I don't know what 2019 holds for you. For some of you, it's going to be a great year. It may be the best year ever. For some of you, it's going to be a hard year. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be pain, and there's going to be a struggle. But hold on to this idea of hope. Hold on to acknowledging your struggle. Let people know. Stay engaged with God if you have a hard time. And lastly, acknowledge God and and rely on him through your struggles. And that is a hopeful message. Thank you.
When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, what have Psalm 42, 1 through 5. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. That last verse is repeated three times in chapters 42, or Psalm 42 and 43, and some would say that that is all one psalm, which is quite interesting. Of course, this is a psalm that we take some of those words and put them into music, and uh, they're a great song to sing and a great uh, song for encouragement. Well, a large part of joy and happiness and being full of hope and energy and all of that has to do with an attitude of thankfulness. And uh, whenever we have an attitude of thankfulness, count the many blessings, we can have a lot of hope. But if we focus on the negative, we end up with a lot of discouragement. This psalm, I think, is one that's good for church leaders, somebody who have gone through an experience themselves. As you know, or possibly may know, for 25 years, my family and I, we planted churches in the northern part of the United States. And, and you go from being a part of a church that maybe was uh, hundreds, or in our case, we were supported by Memorial Road of several thousand. And you go and you plant a church and you go into a community and you start from scratch. And what you had is great singing and great encouragement, all these people who are very supportive, and you go really with your family and the Lord. And that's really all you need, but you can imagine the experience and the times of discouragement. And I think that's what this psalm writer goes through. He's kind of giving himself a little pep talk in, in part of this and uh, trying to get a little bit of encouragement. But that one verse that's repeated is, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. And there's this dichotomy. Uh, this, of, I've got a lot of reason to rejoice, and I've got real reasons to be sad. Mike Cain, I thought, said something very interesting at the Lord's Supper today. He basically gave us permission to be emotional. Sometimes we think of our selves as robots we want to be very mechanical we want to be very stoic we want to be in control of things but the reality is some people deal with depression and I, I can remember some times in my own life like I said when we were up north there was uh, one winter in Wisconsin you know a foot of snow and uh, some issues going on in the church and I was very con concerned and couldn't sleep at night so about three o'clock in the morning I got out of bed in the middle of winter put on my boots and got my coat and just went walking in the dark and I'm sure Katie thought what is going on with this guy but I was discouraged and I really needed to just spend some time 
with the Lord. Well, at 3 o'clock in the morning on snowy roads, there's not a lot of traffic, so you can just walk and walk and see your own footprints and, and just talk to God. Some people deal with deep depression. It's a, a much more discouraging, difficult thing, and, and in some ways that's what I see going on here a little bit, and you are probably more familiar with that than I am. But I think we have to always remember that God has that, that hope for us. In verses 3 and 4, it says, The profusion of tears... No, it says, uh, Day and night I have only tears for food. Some of you have been there. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking. And you can just feel the tension and the difficulty there. But God gives us this great hope in this psalm, and the psalm writer reminds that the answer is, is found in the people around us, people we go and worship with, our own church family, other Christians, spending time in prayer and scripture and music. I'll confess that one of the things that helped me through discouraging times was to listen to Christian music. A recorded Christian music, just it, it encouraged me because there wasn't hundreds of people singing that you could enjoy. Uh, and that's what uh, the sons of Korah, this, the sons of Korah, it may be to them or by them writing this psalm. And these Korites were the gatekeepers of the temple and they participated in the worship of God and they were, sing they were singers who were there. And so maybe they were these the gatekeepers, maybe they were out there, so when people came to worship, they were singing. They were the original hospitality team. They were, they were the, uh, the encouragers. When you came in the door, there were people singing. And what a great experience. Uh, one of the things that we did in the church in, in Rochester was we, we, uh, we played recorded worship music before the church started. The 30 minutes before. So when people came in, there was this encouraging music, and, and it was a very teaching a, a way to teach a lot. But the hope that they had here refers to, to hoping or a waiting on God. God will, a confidence that God would act and bring deliverance. And I'm confident that whatever challenges we face in 2019, God is going to deliver us and help us in that way. And, of course, the psalm writer is saying, really, there's no reason for discouragement and depression because we serve a great and mighty God. But we do get discouraged when we focus on ourselves. He says, starting out there, for the deer, as the deer longs for streams of water. Kind of interesting, you know, Psalm 23 talks about that he, he leads us in quiet waters. This deer, and those of you who love to go deer hunting know that deer love water. And they love fresh water, flowing water, moving water, streams of water that's very clear and refreshing. And just as a deer does that, God has created us with this God-shaped vacuum that we desire him. And so we approach this God and we thirst for a God, not as an idol, as a dead God, but we thirst for this living God who cares about us. And, of course, he's saying, when can I go to church? When, when can I go and stand before him? When can I worship him with others? But he does go into that kind of discouraging part. But in second half of chapter, or verse 4, he says, As I remember how it used to be, I walked among the crowds of worshipers. 
leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid songs of great celebration. You know, we love to sing songs of praise, songs of celebration, and go to the house of God, the sanctuary of God. So in 2019, if you face a period of discouragement, get together with other Christians. Find yourself at church and sing praises to him. Psalm 65, 1 through 8. Praise awaits you, our God, in Zion. To you, our vows will be fulfilled. You who answer prayer, to you all people will come. When, you were overwhelmed, or when we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you chose and bring near to you in your, to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. Oftentimes, when speaking of a new year, the words go out, it looms large. 2019 looms large in front of us. I mean, it's big. It's out there. There's a lot to come. Good things, challenging things, happy times, sad times. This next year looms large in front of us. I think it was J.D. Phillips years ago that challenged believers with the, with the thought, your God is too small. And in many ways, as believers, I'm afraid we make God too small. Too small in how we visualize him. As we try to contain him in this world and in what we can see. And too small to handle all the modern issues that come up. I mean, he's the God of all ages, but can God really handle the technological age in which I live? And the modern issues that we face. Is our God too small as this next year looms large? God is not too small. He is our creator. And not only is he our creator, he is also our savior. So we have that hope for the future. He's the God who answers our prayers. He's the God who forgives us of the sin in our lives. And as such, he is to be worshiped. And he is to be praised. Psalm 65 is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving. Many think it's a harvest psalm. Maybe one that the children of Israel would sing as they came at the Feast of Tabernacles and came around the temple. It was a harvest hymn, a hymn of praise and thanksgiving that speaks to the forgiveness that we have from God. And because of that forgiveness, we are so deeply appreciative of the power and the awesome power God has shown on our behalf. And we want to respond to that. And so we respond to God and what he's done for us. God has responded to us with his awesome power and his wonderful deeds. He's given us hope. 
And when the waters are stirred, when the storm rages, he has calmed those storms. And we can see him in the wonders of this world. He's there for all of us to witness. Psalm 65, 8. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where, e where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. From the boughs of creation, you call out songs of joy. I have to say, though, when I just see a new dawn or watch the wonderful sunsets, I mean, it just calls out to me of the creation of God. And it brings forth songs of joy. And so that worship that we have goes up to God as an appreciation and gratitude for all that he's done in our lives, for the harvest he has brought into our lives. We are to give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, and everything, give thanks. We're so thankful for what God has done. And not only do we lift our thanks to him in praise and lift up our voices in praise to him, we need to toll out that good news into this world. We need to reach out into this world with a wonderful example and witness of what he's done in our lives. The ends of the earth need to hear about God and his greatness. God reveals himself to them in creation. But they must also be told that good news. God's provided us with the forgiveness, with the ability to be at one with him in Jesus Christ. And now it's our calling to go and spread that good news, and ring out the message. God has blessed us in turn that we might be a blessing to others and to spread that wonderful news. The whole earth is filled with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. 2019 looms large. God is much bigger. He's much greater. We're going to sing a song of invitation at this time. If you need to answer that call, to put on Christ in baptism, we'd love to be able to be a part of that with you tonight, to witness your new birth. Or if you need to return to God or just ask for prayers, we'd love to receive you. Won't you come as we stand together and sing? Well, briefly, I just want to uh, thank you for your prayers and for your words of encouragement and support um, that you've offered. I know there have been many prayers that have been made, and uh, we've received uh, many words of support and encouragement during this time. So I want to thank you for that. It's obviously a very humbling experience, like was mentioned this morning. Um, I must tell you, as some of you probably know, that I was a, a reluctant prospect during the process. Um, because some of you know that, because I, when you asked me about uh, putting my name up for consideration, I told you no um, when you asked me about it. However, during the process, uh, I had several conversations with different elders, and uh, in that, um, I spent time in praying to God about the process and uh, looking forward to it. And, you know, in that, God does answer prayer. And uh, God led me to this point. So, uh, with that being said, now's the time to go to work. And um, I read a scripture that I, recently that I felt was very appropriate for this time, a very short one, out of Philippians 1.27, uh, where Paul is encouraging the Christians at Philippi uh, with some thoughts. And he said, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
And he also said, I know that you will stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. The great thing about that is that I think these thoughts are appropriate for us at this time too. And so I just want to say, may we individually be God's light to our family, our friends, and our neighbors. And collectively, may we be his light to this community and to the world. Thank you. I want to read a scripture from 1 Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy about his salvation. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. I've got to tell you, just like Paul, Jesus changed my life. It's like it was yesterday that I found the humility to go forward when a preacher named Don Coles in Price, Utah, offered the invitation to have our sins washed away in baptism if we were ready to confess our trust in Jesus as the risen Son of the living God and become a new person. Well, I responded. The guilt and shame of my sin felt like a huge weight around my neck, and I was ready for the rest the rest that Jesus had promised. When I came out of the water, the waters of baptism, I felt clean, I felt pure. Just like the song says, heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross, the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. The joy of my salvation that day has sustained me and I want to offer that to the world. I want to strengthen those who have also accepted God's invitation to be made new. You know, we have a wonderful community of believers here at the Edmund Church of Christ, and I desire to strengthen our unity in Christ and sweeten our fellowship in the Holy Spirit. Thank you. We were told to keep our, our comments brief, but we were told that by a minister, so I'm not sure how to translate that. But um, as was said, I, I would like to follow up and, and thank the congregation for the, the, this process, the trust that you've put in and, and me and, and the rest of these guys, and want you to know that I do understand the magnitude of this um, um, important role, and am beyond humbled to um, to serve the Lord in, in this church in any way as I in any way I can. Um, and thinking of the elders that we have today, and uh, the other the other men um, coming in to serve with me today, I think of my father who served as an elder. I, I know I know that this is a, a major task and undertaking. And I'm thankful for, for this church and, and the opportunity to, to serve and, and give back. I'm thankful for all the prayers and the words of encouragement for Rochelle and I. And ask that um, as, as this transition takes place that those prayers not, um, not only continue but, but
but increase, um, needed now more than ever. And two verses for me um, come to mind that I wanted to share. First is James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And the second is 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Um, as, as I serve, uh, I, I want to express this church that I will continually look to the Lord for, for wisdom and will try to, to strive to do everything in love. And um, I love the Lord. And I love this church, and I'm, I'm eager to serve in, in this capacity, so thank you. Good evening. Thank you for this opportunity to express my sincere thanks. I stand before you tonight as fellow member, fellow soldier, a fellow laborer in the congregation of the Lord's Church here in, in Edmond, and I'm extremely humbled by that. I will be brief, but uh, I did want to tell you that just a few days after I was born, my mom and dad brought me home just a few blocks from this building over here, a little house off of Ayers, where dad was going to school. And when I was only a few days old, this was the church that they brought me to, because this was the church that my parents went to. This was the church that my grandparents went to, and my great-grandparents went to. And I think about the people who have taught me in Bible school, the elders that I looked up to, people like L.A. Hawley, Leon Coleman, Wade Smalling, I mean, I could, Lewis Boyce, the, the, these are giants that have established a legacy here in Edmond, a legacy of defending the Lord's church, defending his scripture, a legacy of being a light and example in this community, and not being afraid to tell the lost that we have the answer for the ills of this world. And that's the legacy that has been, I've been asked, or we've been asked to continue. And it's a burdensome one. But I, full know, I know full well the weight. And I'm willing to take it on. We are willing to take it on. And we're going to love doing it. I know, like so many others, DJ and I have struggled with this decision. Gone back and forth wondering if it's the right thing for us. Uh, wondering if we're cut out for this work. I want to tell you that I have never in my life been so blessed, so encouraged in the last few months. The outpouring of love that I received from you guys, the calls, the letters, the calls from our shepherds and Poncha that have confirmed DJ and I's decision to move forward with this process. And I think each and every one of you for that at just the right time. You guys lifted us up, supported us. And so growing up in this congregation, I can't express how deeply honored I am 
to be numbered with those that have served and have gone on to meet their reward than to serve with the great men that are now serving. And I humbly ask for your prayers, your support for DJ and I as we take this on. Thank you very much. I am very appreciative that you have asked me to serve this church family as a shepherd. I know that God has prepared me for this responsibility or I wouldn't have accepted it. Like all of you, there have been a lot of people in my life that have been a part of my development. I especially want to thank my parents, Bill and Jody Roberts, for teaching me the truth. I also want to thank the elders and members of the Earlsboro Church of Christ, where I was raised, for their love and example. I've been blessed with a lot of people through college and adulthood that have had a huge impact on my life. Above all, I want to thank my wife, Denise, and our three kids for their love and support. Like all these other men over here, I'm very humbled by the opportunity to serve this congregation as a shepherd. I want to express my appreciation to all the shepherds and their families that have served this congregation in the past and those that are currently serving. I also want to express my appreciation and gratitude to our current uh, ministers and staff for their dedication and hard work. And I appreciate so much the many loving individuals in this congregation that work behind the scenes in so many ways because they love God. I love this congregation probably in a different way maybe than David because I've only been here 15 years. But I appreciate a great deal what this congregation represents in our fellowship. I know because of the groups that I just mentioned that this church family is known throughout the world for our efforts to reach the lost, whether it's through mission efforts, in search of the Lord's way, or many others. I feel confident that this church family has a reputation of being a mission-minded congregation that stands for the truth. My desire and intent as one of your shepherds will always be to do everything within my power to make sure that continues. I come from a strong agriculture background and am very familiar with animal husbandry, so John chapter 10 makes a lot of sense to me. I, um, I can't tell you how important it is to me that those that I'm responsible for within my shepherding group know me and I know them. I also want to be accessible and approachable to anyone else, not just those that might need or want assistance of any kind. I may not have the answer, but I will always help find the person that does. In closing, I just want to say that I'm not perfect. God has brought me through some things in my life that I'm not proud of. But I will always do my best to be a spiritual leader in whatever capacity that I'm in. So together, 
we can reach those that are lost and need Jesus. Words cannot express how grateful I am for all the prayers from this congregation that have been lifted up during this process on my behalf. And I humbly ask that you continue to remember Denise and I and our family in your prayers. May God continue to bless all of us in 2019. Thank you. Well, today just got better, didn't it? Wasn't that wonderful to hear? And God bless you. I loved how many times I heard the word servant. I love the, the foundation of God's word in our lives. So, gentlemen, thanks so much.